This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine, and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. I don't know about you, but this is perhaps my favorite hour of the week, during which uh, we get to answer questions. By we, I mean yours truly and Layla Mutin, who's our resident nutritionist. We work together on a daily basis here in Manhattan, seeing patients, but uh, also uh, we mutually do this Q&A podcast, Q&A with Layla once a week. How are you doing, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman. How are you? And ditto. It's fun. Yes, yep. Mutual Admiration Society. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Yes. And we're going to get to questions in just a moment. Uh, but uh, here's an interesting story. I don't know if you heard about this story. Hmm. Uh, a food company executive was arrested on a pair of charges after reportedly biting a man's nose in a parking garage in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Saturday night. Oh. Doug Ramsey, 53, of Fayetteville, was, he has an appetite for human flesh, apparently. Uh, He was arrested on September 17 on charges of terroristic threatening and third-degree battery. The incident happened at a parking garage near Razorback Stadium following Arkansas's victory over Missouri State. So it was a football game, so Emotions run high. What's interesting about this uh, individual uh, is that uh, he is COO for Beyond Meat. Ooh! Which is kind of ironic, given that he seems to have a taste for human flesh. He had such a rabid craving from not having meat all this time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, However, uh, he may be going through withdrawal because he mm-hmm. uh, is a former executive with Tyson Foods. Oh, uh, chicken. And uh, he also was named uh, president of Global McDonald's business in 2019. So this is maybe what happens when you go too abruptly on a, uh, a uh, uh, vegan diet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you go from all that animal meat, all that meat to... So, so, uh, so I thought that was rather ironic. Oh, my goodness. Uh, in uh, other news... Mm. Uh, Chinese uh, researchers are at it again. Uh, They have developed something very interesting. It's a face mask that can detect viral exposure from a 10-minute conversation with an infected person. 
Wow. So what what would the, scientists have created a face mask that can, can detect common respiratory viruses, including influenza and the coronavirus, in the air in droplets or aerosols. This highly sensitive mask can alert the wearers via their mobile devices within 10 minutes if targeted pathogens are present in the surrounding air. Oh, my goodness. So, so another good reason is to wear face masks all the time. Not only all the time. can they protect you, but they will also alert you. if you're, you, know, you ever have a conversation with somebody who's a little too close, and then you see a little spittle flying out yeah. of their mouth? That, sure. that is kind of unpleasant. Yeah. And you might just <laughs> want to know whether they're transmitting dangerous <laughs> respiratory viruses yeah. to you. Yeah. Uh, but if you're wearing this face mask, you can be... A, you can be protected, mm-hmm. and B, you can be alerted via your phone. You will receive an alert that the person you're having a conversation with yeah. is typhoid Mary. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, it's not yet available as an app in the Apple App Store. <laughs> oh, my. But uh, coming to a uh, store near you, a uh, it says, Our mask would work really well in spaces with poor ventilation, such as elevators or enclosed rooms. Uh, according to uh, Dr. Decky, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Yin Fang. This uh-huh. is Chinese research just uh, published. Uh, the next next thing the team hopes to do is to shorten the detection time, which can give you an immediate alert. Huh? So that whenever you're talking to somebody who is infectious, it will let you know. I mean, I, I could see a market for this. <clears throat> people, totally. People already are very... Uh, a lot germophobic, of people, germophobic. Yes, yes. There's still a lot of people wearing masks, but, even though it's and not, not really required. Notwithstanding the statement by mm-hmm. our president that the pandemic is over, and he was walking around without a mask. Yes. When a couple of weeks ago he would get off, you know, the helicopter Marine One or whatever it is. Yes, yes. Without wearing a mask on the White House lawn. So I'm getting confused. You know. I think he was confused too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say, there's some. <laughs> Cognitive dissonance going on. Absolutely. About wearing, but anyway, I mean, look, I mean, it. this could be a boon to people who are uh, very concerned about uh, exposure. Right. You know, so right. you know, just saying, just saying. Um, that would be very strange if the person wearing a mask who's a germaphobe then meets their friend and asks their friend, "Would you put this mask on to make sure that I'm not going to?" I wouldn't be your friend anymore. Well, honestly, you, if that you, was requested you, you see, of me. No, because what you do is. You, you can let the rest of the world be maskless. Yeah. You wear the mask yeah. and you check your phone all the time or your phone sends yeah. you an alert. Danger, danger. You know? So then you run? Then you, you don't meet your friend anymore. You you start taking Paxlovid. Oh, yeah. immediately, <laughs> immediately. And that, that can also be on your phone that you can go show your pharmacist. Here's my script. <laughs> I've been exposed. Paxlovid. Red alert. I've been exposed. Oh, know, my too. goodness. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Know. I I. This is changing our consciousness about uh, risk, I think, mm-hmm. in a major way. Yeah. And I think it's uh, skewing people to being uh, highly risk-averse. Yeah. So, uh, you know, remember the good old days? Uh, yet even the, the pre-AIDS days, you know, yeah. the worst thing you could get was uh, gonorrhea, uh, you know, which was curable with a shot of penicillin in the butt. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there mm-hmm. came a, a disease which was sexually transmitted, which could kill you, which was AIDS. And then there came, you know succeeding pandemics and then COVID and I think yes. people have reason now to sequester in a you know in their um, mm-hmm. electronic environment and do everything online. Right. Not that it helped because we so we kept getting variants and waves and 
didn't help. Yeah, some I'm noticing that uh, some of my, our patients, some of the most careful patients that yeah. we've had, uh, and they've been really very COVID, uh, uh, COVID aware, aware, mm. and uh, wearing uh, you know precautionary gear and. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, my hairdresser managed to get for, and she has a lot of contact with people. She managed to get through two years of COVID without getting COVID. Wow. And uh, she also, you know, she and I, I, I follow instructions. When you go to get a haircut, she has you wear a mask. If right. she doesn't want to be exposed mm-hmm. to COVID, she doesn't want customers exposed. Fine. You know, mm-hmm. I go with the flow. Yeah. I'm not. There was a, uh, I actually witnessed this. There was a fight that happened in the salon. Oh my goodness. Uh, where. A guy got on his high horse. He, why are you wearing masks? And it's like a big fight. They finally had to say, "Look, you know, we can't work with you. You know, you'll have right. to find another hairdresser because this is the rules." So anyway, yeah. So she calls me up last week. You know that haircut that we have tomorrow? I can't do it because I got COVID. Ah. So so even people using precautions, masks yeah. and whatever. Yeah. It happens. It does. Uh, we got to live with it. Really, and a high percentage of people have been exposed and have had it. And you know, I think part of it, I think with uh, Biden's attitude about you know the pandemic is over, he finally had COVID. Yeah, and it wasn't such a big whoop. No, even for a guy who's older yes. and maybe not in the best shape. You know, right. I, I always kind of worried. I thought he, if he gets COVID, it's going to be right. challenging. He got COVID, and uh, <clears throat> but the weaker and weaker, yet more virulent strains. It's like more transmissible. More transmissible. Virulence is the strength of yeah, the. Yeah, right, You got the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's virulence and transmissibility. It's less virulent and virulent. more transmissible. Exactly. And there's Almost. a trade-off because the, the virus only has so much genetic material. It can't yeah. be good at all things. Mm. Uh, it's it mm-hmm. only has so much coding available to it, and all the coding is now going into extreme transmissibility versus right. virulence. Also, from a evolutionary standpoint. Viruses that kill their their uh, their, their carriers, their hosts. They don't live. Uh, the end end of the line for the yeah. virus. You, yeah. you actually want your host to be able to be gregarious, maybe unaware that they have the virus, and transmitting it. You know, yeah. asymptomatically. Right. That would be best case scenario for the evolution of a virus. Mm-hmm. And hence, we have attenuated strains. Some people are predicting the worst. You know that there's going to be a surge. That the virus will uh, regain virulence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't know. They're simply, I think, being alarmists, and I think they're being uh, covidians. They're they're sort of hanging. They're to, covidians. Yeah. Oh, I like that term. Or because uh, I I definitely see covidians still uh, in New York. Another term is Corona Bros. Corona Bros. <laughs> so. Uh, I, but, you know, look, we can't laugh at this because there's some uncertainty. Yeah. And we don't know. But I'd like to make an optimistic assumption. I'm, by nature, a bit of an optimist, a cautious optimist. Uh, and I'd like to make a, a cautiously optimistic projection about what will happen this spring and, and winter. Mm. So, you know, hopefully we're on the right track. Knock yeah. wood. Knock wood. Let's get to questions. Questions okay. at beyondhoffman.net. And uh, you know, we apologize, uh, you know, if this is uh, a triggering material for you. Uh, but you we know. deal with this stuff. This yes. is the stuff we deal with all yep. the time. Yeah. We've got we've got an email from from Barbara, who's who's sending us Cornell research on cholesterol. Mm-hmm. A study identifies gut bacteria that regulate cholesterol, mm-hmm. and this is actually coming out of this is actually 
coming out of... I had the name of the... Uh, anyway. Oh, forget about it. Yeah. I had the name of... Okay. So this is a study that's the first of its kind to identify species of gut bacteria that convert cholesterol yeah. from animal foods to a molecule called cholesterol sulfate. Right. And what they found is that bacterioides yeah. does that. So though, although cholesterol sulfate is readily produced in human tissues... This study is the first to show that the gut microbiome... Can transform it. Yes, can produce cholesterol sulfate. So, and how they were going about, how this discovery happened, it was enabled by a new method uh, in Johnson's lab. It's called the BOSS technology, which they were able to trace which microbes are acting Right. On that so this is actually follows. This is yeah. not the. Uh, uh, it's a nature microbiology. If anybody okay. Wants to Which read. is nature microbiology. A very uh, high end <clears throat> medical journal. And from Cornell University. Now this is not the first time that this has been uh, suggested. <clears throat> In fact. Uh, there's research dating years back that suggests even that lactobacilli, which is a different yes. type of probiotic, uh, can help to reduce cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the idea is that some probiotics sort of act like Pac-Men. Yeah. In the GI tract, they kind of eat up and convert cholesterol. Uh, there was even a startup company that had developed a cholesterol-lowering probiotic, and I don't know what became of it because I was very excited about it, and then I haven't heard much about it. They, huh. I think they began getting marketing approval in certain other countries, perhaps in Europe and in you know Asia, maybe Korea or Taiwan, you know, and I don't know that it's... Uh, gotten traction here in the U.S. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I see articles dating back into the early 2000s about cholesterol-lowering effects of probiotics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and certainly prebiotics. Re yes. So, according to the researchers, they say, quote, when we think about cholesterol metabolism and cardiovascular health, there may be ways to use the microbiome to modulate cholesterol levels or right. other relevant lipids. That's why there are so, this is exciting. I... To make a, this is like kind of a disease claim, and I think uh, it depends on how they want to go with this research. They could go and they could market it as an over-the-counter thing without an FDA or medical approval, which uh -huh. is going to take a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of research uh, to get to this, to this level where they say, hey, this is, con this is approved by the FDA, but if they can sell it as a supplement where... You know, they could say it improves your, uh, some weasel words like it improves uh, <clears throat> microbiome uh, health or yeah. something like yeah. that uh, with potential benefits for the heart. They have to like use kind of very uh, circumstantial language yeah. to, to, to allude to the potential benefits. But for them to say, this is a probiotic that lowers your cholesterol and, you know, Mm -hmm. It could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with statin drugs, you know. Right. Uh, then they would have to go through a, a drug route, which yes. is an expensive route. So I don't know where they're going to go with this. Uh, you know, they're usually researchers at places like Cornell. They want patents. They want to sell it to a drug company who can yes. do the research and development and marketing uh, and know the ropes to get FDA approval. Yeah. Where then they can get the big bucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But again, it's hard to patent a uh, a living substance. thing, a living yeah. a living thing. You know? Sure. It's, yeah. Yeah. Barbara, thank you for this. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. 
Okay. Uh, Good point at which to pause because you want to allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share an important message with you. So listen up. If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. This comes from a doctor. Uh, dysfunctional medicine. Nice to hear from yeah, doctors. Yeah, a Dr. Santi. Does functional medicine offer an appreciable help, any appreciable help, for patients with isonophilic esophagitis? Eosinophilic. Eosinophilic. Yeah. Esophagitis, thank you. First, first of all, what is eosinophilic esophagitis? Allergy. Esophagitis, yeah, because eosinophils are the type of white blood cells that are associated with allergies. Mm -hmm. In eosinophilic esophagitis, there's a great deal of inflammation, pain, difficulty swallowing <clears throat> in the esophagus, which is the food tube, but it yeah. is not due to mere acidity. It's due to uh, proliferation of eosinophils there. Right. And so the clue is that maybe allergy is the root of that. Now, uh, there are medicines to suppress the eosinophils. And Would it be antihistamines? Well, antihistamines, but even going beyond that, there's actually some uh, even monoclonal antibodies that they're now using to suppress eosinophils, so wow. really powerful things. Um, but oh, I have found, before the advent of these medications, because some of these medications are, are new, not the antihistamines, but the more targeted, really strong... The monoclonal antibodies. Yeah, the MABs. The MABs. Uh, there was the dietary approach. So what I would do with eosinophilic esophagitis patients, and they're few and far between. It's not that common. I, they, it, most of the patients with esophageal problems and GERD, it's you know not eosinophilic esophagitis. Yeah. You have to do a biopsy to prove that. Yeah. Um, it is to is to be on what's called an oligoantigenic diet. Mm. So what would you take them off of? What are the major food culprits for that, would you say? Well, we look at, first we'd want to test them, no? Well, but, you, you could, but it may not show up it on, may not on show standard up. allergy tests. So because it's, it the is, usual suspects, it could be any of the top eight food allergens, including wheat, milk, eggs, shellfish. Perhaps nuts. Fish, nuts, yeah. peanuts, soy. Those are the top eight. Yeah. And, and then possibly other suspects. I, I guess we would have to investigate. Maybe yeast. Maybe, yeast. Yeah, maybe uh, right. things that can, yeast containing things for many right, foods. Right, right. And maybe, could that be caused by having taken rounds and rounds of antibiotics for other reasons, like 
sinus infections or other things that it could make it worse. Then cause, yeah, it could make it worse. Yeah, it could make. It, I mean, certainly, but uh, we and don't know the cause of the eosinophilic esophagitis. It's just kind of an immune system out of control. Yeah, kind so of we a, want to modulate. The it's like kind of a Chernobyl of your immune system. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And there's always a target organ. Right. So there, it's the esophagus. 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 Yeah. And. Uh, we have a couple of patients. So one of them has moved to Chicago uh, that I know of. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember from a few years back, and she did pretty well on this uh, oligoantigenic diet without you know some of these powerful medications. Wow! But uh, you know during the during the break uh, between part one and part two, I may look up some of the newer medications for this. But he's looking for holistic. Yeah. Would we use things like DGL? It wouldn't hurt. Sure. Uh, you know, it is anti-inflammatory. Anything to soothe, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine uh, taking additional vitamin C uh, for antihistamine effect. Loads of quercetin. Mm-hmm. You could take six quercetin like a day. Like a blocker kind of thing. Right. Like a, a uh, histamine blocker. but Right. Or something like a dehist, which has the quercetin as well as bromelain. <clears throat> which may also be helpful, but, a, but also a good study of what that person is eating. If there are certain same foods that are being eaten most frequently, those may be suspect of causing the immune system to overreact like that. It's nature's argument for variety in the diet, which is very interesting. You don't want the same exposure to the same food or the same toxicant each time, and that's really nature's argument for variety in the diet. Imagine if you ate a tuna fish sandwich every day, at some point you will be full of mercury. Mm-hmm. Whether you have, even if you have no silver amalgams in your teeth, you will become I, I stand corrected. Mm. Uh, the So standard treatments have been steroids mm. and or uh, PPIs, proton pump inhibitors, which, oh. which is kind of the way they treat regular GERD. Yeah. But th- there's a new indication for a drug called Dupixent, and, oh, and, I've seen that. I am correct in saying it. I, I was right that it is a monoclonal antibody. It's dupilumab, and anything with an AB on the end is a monoclonal antibody. It's a biologic, uh-huh. and it is a strong anti-allergy kind of thing. It's sometimes used in severe asthma. So it's it, they actually say that uh, it's a breakthrough treatment for uh, eosinophilic esophagitis. And uh, according to the latest research, uh, it works, and uh, it uh, helps to reduce difficulty swallowing, which is a symptom. Uh, it reduces the uh, inflammation, and um, it's an, it's an injectable. Yeah. So. Yeah, I see almost exclusively ads for biologics on television and anymore. You know why? Everything's a map. Why? What do you think? Because that, that's the most profit-making ma- bingo. bingo, right? Bingo. Because those drugs are costing tens of thousands of dollars a year. Which is being co- covered by insurance. Which is being covered by insurance. Which we're all insurance. paying for. So right. we're all paying Ultimately. for all these. Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, you watch this and say, who the heck has these, like, weird conditions that they're talking about? Because they're yeah. not common conditions sometimes. If only three people go to their doctor... And ask for this, and the doctor says, "Oh yeah, sure, maybe, yeah, let's go for that." That pays for the whole commercial. Oh yeah, <laughs> and more. it really does, right? And especially given that these drugs are chronically administered, because it's not like yeah. you know, it's not like taking a dose of uh, antibiotics. It's not a cure. It, 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 it's it's not a, a chronic cure. 
you know, kind of administration. Keep you coming back. Yep. That's a better business model. Yep. yep. Keep you coming back. Yep. That's what I used to say when I did my clinical rotation of my dietetic internship at Jacoby Medical Center when I was horrified to find out, well, where's the cafeteria? Oh, this is a cafeteria? It was a McDonald's. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a McDonald's. Well, it's, it's <laughs> I said, oh, they want return customers here well, they, in they, this hospital. Oh, my. What's actually happening there with those is that, uh, A, it's, it's, it's a fix. It's like for a hospital to run their own nutritious cafeteria True. is a big undertaking. It's a food service. So yeah. McDonald's is like is like a uh, t- turnkey operation. Yeah. Just give them the space. They'll set it up. Boom, boom, boom. And it's almost like they'll pay pouring rights mm. to you know to to have that uh-huh. uh, there because a it it kind of gives like a an aura of, of respectability to yeah. McDonald's and b uh, it, you know it's it, it, it's a source of tremendous revenue yeah. to the hospital. True. To the hospital. I'll tell you, what, during while I was an undergrad, my uh, field experience was at Cabrini Hospital. If you remember Cabrini Hospital. I do. On the lower... Shut it, yeah. shut it down. Yeah, they shut it down. But they had an amazing food service uh, set up. Well, and that's, that's probably food, why... And went, the quality of That's food. why it went belly up. Yeah, probably. Because they even got thank you cards from the patients that were posted <laughs> all over the bulletin board. In the food service office, and I remember marveling at this. Yeah. And I ate the food; it was delicious, of course. But then, but then they were gone. You know where the food? And I, I don't know what it's like now. It probably is as good or even better. Uh, is at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. I did a rotation during medical school in the 1980s mm-hmm. at Memorial Sloan Kettering uh, Cancer Hospital here in New York, and the food there was terrific. And I think uh that is it's not so much for the sake of the patients it's for the sake of the staff i think they had like a lot of upscale intelligent staff people there and they just didn't want to feed them garbage and yeah. they wanted like an a, kind of an additional benefit of working there is that you could really get a really beautiful salad they had a salad bar yes. and they had very you nice know, uh healthy nutritious food there so i mean at least that was a plus but other hospitals i've seen unfortunately yeah. have um you know they've gone for the quick buck basically too bad it's an economic incentive yeah well, uh, Dr. Santi, thank you for that very thoughtful question. Let's see here. We've got from Louise. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I saw an ad for magnesium in spray form. I investigated a little, and it was magnesium chloride. It said it could be used for leg cramps to spray directly on the area. Wouldn't it be better to take a magnesium supplement regularly, like magnesium glycinate or citrate? Your thoughts on this, please? Yeah, I'm not that magnesium on sprayed spray. on magnesium. I'm not sure that it's absorbed that well. I'll tell you what. My husband tried it because I got him to spray on magnesium because right. I was giving him oral magnesium. It didn't seem to be doing the what trick. Was, what was he trying to fix? cramps. We had cramps. Ca- calf cramps in the middle of the night. Right. So we tried the magnesium spray. All he complained about was that it stung his skin. Okay. So... And then after a time, he did Epsom salt baths for right, a while. Just but that's that time-consuming. Even though you could give yourself a foot bath yeah. with the Epsom salts, yeah. you know, up to your calves, yeah. maybe that could help. But There's yeah. also been uh, some products that are topical magnesium, and I've been skeptical about them. Yeah. I don't know if there are any really studies that show that it increases systemic levels of magnesium. Uh, you know, magnesium is a small molecule, uh, magnesium chloride, so it theoretically should be able to yeah. penetrate the skin. But some people have such a hard time, even with oral supplementation, getting their magnesium levels up. Some people even require 
Remember back in the day, like a Myers cocktail or something like that? Well, we had the same dilemma with a patient today. Yeah. Uh, She has a lot of cramps and spasms. Yes. She even, speaking of the esophagus, she has esophageal spasm. Mm -hmm. And you would think that giving her more magnesium would help. The problem is that she has IBSD. She has the diarrhea-predominant kind of IBS. So I want her to take magnesium for the spasms. But not to cause diarrhea. Yeah. It's got to be a Goldilocks dose, yeah, yeah. right? So I give her the, the mildest form. Her her IBS is much better with what we're doing. Yes. And she, I said, now it's time to start very gradually, taking one magnesium glycinate per day. Mm. I think you'll tolerate it. It'll at least give you maybe a little protection against spasms and cramps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, you know, there's a French researcher, and I think his name is uh, Dr. Durlock, and he wrote a, tr- uh, a treatise on magnesium many years ago, I think in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, the term he uses in French, he's French, is spasmophilie. Spasmophilie. Which, which means spasmophilie. Mm-hmm. You said yeah. it very well. Yes. Good accent. I took French. Oh, good. Yes, spasmophilie, which means spasmophilia. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, <clears throat> which means a proclivity to spasms. And he, he was a, a big magnesium researcher, mm. and his belief is that many disorders in the body are related to spasms, uh, sp- you know, like not yeah. just calf cramps, but smooth muscle spasms. Yes. And, you know, you could even think of... Like uh, in the GI tract or in the coronary arteries and... Yeah, all ar- of arterial spasm culture. and even uh, cardiac arrhythmias. Yeah. And so e- magnesium has the ability to stabilize the... Uh, nerve conduction, the membranes that surround the neurons, mm-hmm. and prevent them from triggering and firing yeah. precipitously. And uh, so that's why he's a big fan of magnesium for these conditions. And, and even migraine, migraine too. Migraine, which, yeah, that's a big one. Which is a form of arterial, uh, actually, dysregulation. It's not so much spasm, it's dilation. I can't think of a migraine patient we've had, Dr. Hoffman, over the years that didn't do better with magnesium. Some magnesium, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then even there's a sub a subgroup of them who do well with intravenous magnesium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so, Louise, that magnesium in a spray may not be... Take the glycinate if it's muscle cramps, leg cramps, or even the citrate, but the citrate can take it further and cause diarrhea, so we want to be careful there. Okay, we ha- we're ready to uh, go to part two. Yeah. Uh, we're going to pause in just a moment, and then... Uh, have you resume on part two. Yeah. Give us a preview of what we're going to tackle there. What is the lowdown on iodized salt? Do we really need it? Okay. Interesting question. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Another way to get questions to us during the weekend show. I was gratified that some people selecting that route uh, this last weekend when I do my live show. 877-726-8255. During the show is especially welcome from noon to two on Saturdays. But anytime you like, you can call and there is a record option and you'll be prompted to record your question at 877-726-8255 and we will uh, air it during our weekly radio program. Mm. Terrific. Okay. All right. On to part two. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman today with Layla Mutant. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla.